America Down documentary as well as Agenda 2, Masters of Deceit. So just wanted uh, everyone to know they're back there on the table, both of those, and there's even a pack where you can get uh, two of them together. And there's also, you can still, as I put it, trust the communists, uh, excellent informative book for that. And then there's the family CDs. And uh, believe me, I've already purchased uh, four of them, and they're, they're just excellent. So excellent music, very relaxing, and just, just beautiful instrumental hymns and, and wonderful songs. So that's back there as well. And then these free cards, too, for just handouts uh, for anybody to uh, know about Agenda Weekly, because it's not just the DVDs, but we also have now Agenda Weekly with weekly updates with Curtis on there with uh, the news updates and a lot of practical information for the Times, different informative videos, uh, things that we can pray about, how we can take action, and the things that we can do, and then different things that the enemy is doing, and then different victories that we have as well. And like I said, just one week of that will be more informative than most things that you will get for a year, and it won't be jumbled with all kinds of truth and error as well. So just wanted everybody to know about that, and Brother Curtis will be also uh, giving us the sermon today. But let's begin in a word of prayer this morning. Let us pray. <clears throat> our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we want to begin this day by praising you, lifting you up, giving you glory and honor because you deserve it. You are God. You are the creator. And as I was talking earlier to a brother, this is your world that we dwell in. You are the head and you are the king and you deserve glory, honor, and praise from all. And we thank you that although we did not give you that glory, Although we violated your commandments and were hell-deserving sinners, you chose, and you planned, and then you sent your son to be the perfect sacrifice, the perfect atoning sacrifice for sinners. We thank you that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, a powerful Savior, ready to save all who repent of their sins and put their faith in him. We praise you for the gospel and for that good news. We praise you, Jesus, for building your church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Lord, we pray this morning that as the believers are gathered that you would forgive us of our own sins, our own struggles that we go through every day as the spirit battles against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And we pray that through our gathering together today that you would sanctify us more fully, make us more like Christ by the power of your spirit until we reach that final time of glorification where we will never sin again and where we will be with you in perfect fellowship. We pray that you would be glorified, that you would be honored through our gathering together this day. We pray this all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you don't stand, we'll be opening with I Surrender All. Number 275, if you'd like to follow along in the hymnal. Jesus, Surrender all. 
understand that this word we're about to read is a perfectly preserved, inspired word of our living God. Amen. Now let us read the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month Cheslu, should have my glasses here, in the 20th year, as I was in Shushan, the palace, that Hanani, one of my brethren, came, he and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive, and thy eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now, day and night, for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee, and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember 
I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. But if ye turn unto me, and keep my commandments, and do them, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence, and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are thy servants and thy people, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power, and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let thou, let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant, and to the prayer of thy servants, who desire to fear thy name, and prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, for I was, in the, for I was a king's cupbearer. Let us pray. Father, again we thank you for your truth, for your perfectly preserved word, Lord, unto us. Lord, now I pray, Lord, give all of your servants here today and those watching and listening, Lord, ears to hear and to understand what you would, because we know that your word does not return unto you void, Lord. Lord, I pray that according to your promise, Lord, and your word, Lord, that as you give us ears to hear, Lord, that it would instruct us, it would reprove us, Lord, it would correct us, it would teach us sound doctrine, Lord. And I pray as we receive that doctrine that your spirit would help take it and apply it, Lord, and that hearing your word, Lord, would transform us more and more into the image of your Son. May you be glorified now in our midst, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. That one of the hymns we sang, this is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Um, Fanny Crosby has so many. She wrote, she wrote over 10,000 hymns in her life, used a lot of fictitious names, so a lot of them we think are from someone else were just names she made up because she thought it wasn't right to have one person have so many hymns. But I named my youngest child, uh, a little girl, uh, Crosby, Virginia, <laughs> to uh, honor her because I always, her songs were, she of course was blind, as you probably know this story, and I love that the way she talked about Jesus, all of her hymns, if you just go read through them, they talk about him in such a just precious, wonderful way. They're just so, you could just tell she knew her Savior and she loved her Savior and she couldn't wait to see him. Um, and she has him about that too. The first thing she'll see is his faith. There we go. So anyway, I, I, I love all those hymns, but that's a special one. Nehemiah, this book has so many things for us today. I, I, I encourage you fathers to maybe start this week and just read one chapter a night to your family and talk about all the things in there. There's, I'm just going to be able to hit some key nuggets along the way that apply to us today. I mean, this story is exactly us. I mean, he, he gets news from Jerusalem. He, he wants to know what's going on. They've been in captivity. Jerusalem, the, the, the walls have been torn down there for over 100 years. What's going on there? And we look around America today, and if you haven't noticed, the walls are down. <laughs> the gates are burned with fire. Evil can come and go as it pleases. There is no defense against it. There's, everything has been just undermined. And I, every time I read this book, I go, God, that's us today. Well, he was in this situation. And, and the way this story unfolds, I love it because it shows God is God. And we need to ask him to use us to rebuild the walls. Because that glorifies him when the walls are rebuilt of morality and righteousness and holiness and family and church and everything. That is honoring to him. And so anyway, I love this book, but I will just barely be able to scratch the surface of 
all the content in here. It just, it's amazing. It goes on. It just totally today as you look at it. But so there at the beginning of chapter one, again, he finally, someone comes back and tells him what's going on. And, and they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. So that was the situation, the exact situation we are in today. But then he gives us what a proper response is in verse four. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. That's the proper response. Christians need to be fasting for our country because the walls are down and we are in a very serious situation and we need God to step in and help us. And so um, it's just a key thing that I don't think we do near as much as we should. Why? Because our flesh hates it. (laughs) Who doesn't want to eat for a day or whatever? And if you have to start small, one day a week, skip breakfast. And you pray during that breakfast time for our country, for your family. You fathers, you'll, you'll know how to lead your families. You'll know how to protect your families. You'll know how to be the shepherd of your family like you're supposed to be. And you'll know that. And so, I mean, to do that and then slowly get where you do breakfast and lunch. And then you do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Whatever. But just every little thing we do, God appreciates us making an effort to be close to him. He loves that, and we need to be faithful in that. And then, so, so we see the situation, we see his response, it's just weeping. I have cried for my country, as I'm sure you have. As you look around, it's devastating. But then he does what we also need to do. He has a plea for help. And he says in verse 5, And said I, um, okay, and he said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thy eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servants, thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. What is he doing there? He's, he's going to God, but he's repenting. He's not saying all these wicked Americans. Do it. He goes, God, we have sinned against you. M- me and my fathers and my grandfathers, would you forgive us? I think it's important for us to acknowledge the sins of our country when we come before God. God, we're sorry for killing 60 million of our babies. Please forgive us and help there to be repentance in the women that did that so they can be free from that. I mean, that's the wonderful thing about God. When you give your sin to God, it's gone. God, forgive me. And then when you repent, which means you go and do the opposite, say a a woman's had an abortion, for her to repent is she goes and works in a crisis pregnancy center. Because she says, God, I'm showing you I value life now because my actions are the opposite. Before, I, I didn't value life. It wasn't a big deal. I did this. But you forgive me for that. It's gone. And, and you know, 42% of women in America have had that done. So it's a, it's a common thing. But we need to reach them with, hey, do you know who can forgive you for that? Where there's no more guilt. There's no more. It's gone. It's, it's washed away. But then to repent, which is so pleasing to the God, to God, it's then you work to show I do understand this was sin, and now I'm doing the opposite. I'm valuing life. I'm encouraging other women, to, don't do that. I did that. Please don't do that. And so then, then God takes your sin and can use it to save other lives because when you're standing outside of an abortion clinic and that woman says, I've had one. Can I talk to you, please? That's powerful because the girl goes, you have? Yes, I have, and I regret it. Would you? Can I just talk to you a minute? So anyway, that's how God uses what we do. But he just comes, and and then he gives specifics, and we need to be specific. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments, nor the statutes, nor the judgments, which thou commandest thy servant Moses. I mean, he just, we we have blown it. Well, America has blown it. I mean, in the 60, you know, 60 years ago, we're throwing God out. No, you can't be in the schools. The 1980, oh, the Ten Commandments 
or in the, on the, posted on the school walls. Get that out of there. Do you remember when that decision came down? Do you know why the Supreme Court said it had to be removed? They said because it, just it being there might cause the children to read it. And if they read it, they might obey it, and therefore it cannot be up there. I mean, that's their, there's our Supreme Court of the United States. That's the, the defense they gave of their cause. They might obey, thou shalt not lie, and we can't have that. Thou shalt not kill. <laughs> and that's what they get. But, but when that's the country we live in. That's the sins we have done. Get out of here. We don't want you. Well, God said, okay, I'm going to show you what that, that world looks like when my influence is not there, when I'm, I'm not there. And so, anyway, so then it goes on. He said, remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses. So he reminds God, David always did this too, and, and, and different people, uh, and Moses did this, just reminding God, now remember you said, if we followed you, you'd, and I love that, because it's just them knowing God's word, so they know what God has said in his word, so they can say, God, now you say here, you know, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive our sins. And so you have that confidence in it because you know what God said. But he said, remember, I beseech thee the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, if ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. That's just one proof the Bible is true because that happened, of course, because they forgot him. And for 1,900 years, they were scattered throughout the world. But he'd also said, I will bring them back into the land. And when that happened in 1948, yeah, 48, I, is, that's all Bible prophecy. And it's never happened before in the history of the world where people group was scattered and all came back together. Um, but if you turn unto me, he said, so that's what God said he'd do. If you go against me, I'm going to scatter you through the world. But if you turn unto me, and keep my commandments and do them, thou, though there were of you cast out into the uttermost. So you're out into the uttermost part of the heavens, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. Now these are the servants and thy people whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. So he's reminded, God, you are our God. And so I want you to remember that if we can turn back to you. And that's why what you're doing right here just in this church. You go, oh, it's just one church. But it's one church that if it's keeping God's commandments, it's really being pleasing to the Lord. He's watching. And, and he can magnify your influence right here where he has placed you, in this town, in this state. To, if the, government, uh, the governor is an evil man, then maybe he will give you strategic ways of exposing his evil so people will go, I don't want to vote for a man that's best friends with Bill Gates, who has been so racist in, in you know, sterilizing women all over Africa and everything else, and in India, and all over where he's done experiments on people that he thinks are less than. Well, we don't want any part of that. And God can bless those efforts to open the eyes of people to go, we don't want a person like that. But that's, that's when you pray like this, and you're, God, you're asking him to use you specifically, and right where he has placed you, he, he will do that because that's what we're here on this earth to do. And so anyway, here's his specific prayer, and it should, this should be ours. O Lord, I beseech thee, now let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper, I pray thee, this servant this day and grant him mercy in the sight of this man who was the king, for I was the king's cupbearer. Isn't it interesting? The man God was going to use is already right next to the king. Even though he's in captivity, but he's the cupbearer for the king. He's going to, you know, yeah, there's no poison in it. Here you go. You know, he, he's the one to test everything for the king to make sure he's not. But he's right there. God's always going to put you right where he wants you and prepare you ahead of time for what he has you to do. I mean, it's just, it's so fundamental, and we have to have that faith in him. But he knew that, so he said, you bless my efforts. Now, when I go talk to the king to do what's on my heart to do, and I want you to bless it. And, of course, his heart was, we got to rebuild those walls. We, we, that's Jerusalem. That's God's city. We, we can't allow that to happen. And 
as it goes on here through chapter two and stuff, God blesses the work and the plans. Um, he, the king, he talks to the king and the king says, what's troubling you? Because he was kind of sad when he came before the king, which you don't do back then. You'll be executed. But the king obviously already respected him because he was a man of character and he had taken good care of the king. And he, so he, just like Esther, the king cared about him enough to go, what's bothering you? And he's told him, well, this is what's bothering me. My, my city is broken down. And, and he goes, well, what would you want me to do about it? <laughs> I'd like you to let me go back there and rebuild the walls. Okay, what can I do? If you would give me a note <laughs> saying that I have access to the king's forest for all the things we'll need to rebuild, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> That's God's blessing on what you're doing. When you see things happen, don't ever mistake the sea parting for anything you did. <laughs> besides having a heart that loves and fears God. But God then, he loves doing the impossible for us. He loves it because it shows who he is. So, so don't be afraid to ask for the impossible, but know it's, he's, he's the one that will do it. And then I'm just going to go through some different nuggets of this story that are so important because they're the lesson for us today. You go down to verse 10 in chapter 2, um, and, and these guys, Sanballat and Tobiah and them, um, when they heard this, and this is a lesson for us. Whenever you set out to do something for the Lord, there's going to be opposition. Instantly, people coming against you. And what happens here, when they heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. You will always have opposition. And if you don't have opposition, you're not doing as much as you think you are. <laughs> I'll just tell you that. You will always be attacked. Every little thing you do, you try to have family devotions, you, oh, you have some problems, the alarm didn't go off. There will always be things coming against you, whatever it is, when you're trying to do what is right. But that should let you know, oh, that means this is valuable. They wouldn't be attacking. The enemy is not wasting darts and arrows and things on me if I'm doing nothing and going nowhere. And not following the Lord, they have a very cushy life when you do that because you never have opposition, but you also waste the most precious thing God has given you, which is your life. Um, but then I love Nehemiah too, and this is us. You, you, you're first vexed with the situation, but then he wanted to size it up like a good leader does to see exactly what's going on so he knows how to... Give a vision to the people. Here's what we're going to do. So then in verse 13, he said, and I went out by night by the gate of the valley. So he slips out to go. I want to find out what's going on. Even before the dragon well and to the dung port and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain and to the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then went I up into the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. So he goes out at night, quietly in the dark, to size up everything. He wants to get a good plan before he starts trying to motivate the people. Fathers, you get a plan together, and then you're like, okay, family, this is what we're doing. But you first go with God, quiet, at dark. God, what do you want us to do? Okay. And then you, so you, a leader's ready to go. He has a vision. He's ready to go. And so then's the time. Once he's got a plan, he knows, okay, this is what God's having me to do. Then he rallies the troops. Verse 17, then said I unto them, ye see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth a waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem that we be no more a reproach. A great leader inspires, motivates, and leads. Here's what we're doing. Where there is no vision, the people perish. You have to have a vision. Fathers, pastors, you have to have a vision. Here's what we're doing. Here, and you, God, what is it? Okay, and then you go for that one step at a time. You'll always have opposition, but that's what great leaders do. And here's what's neat. It shows God is blessing it. And then the second half of 18, it says, and they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this great work. The people with that leadership and motivation, here's exactly what we're doing. And what I love about it is he just, 
he had such a specific plan. As you, as you read on, he, he talked to them. He said this. He said, I want every family to build the wall that is attached to their private property. What does that mean? It means you start building right where you are. That's, that's what you need to do. Right where you are, you start building your family. And you start strengthening that in your church. And then it starts trickling out. But, but he said, don't look to the right hand. Don't look to the left. Build what is right in front of you. Because if you look in America to the right and the left, you'll go, we're done. It's, it's not worth it. I'm not doing anything. But if you go, oh, God gave me a family. Okay, I'm, I'm starting right here, rebuilding the walls in my family where I have a strong marriage, healthy family, I've given a vision to the children. Hey, for generations, guys, until God comes back, here's what we're doing. Here's the plan. (laughs) We're going to pray for 10 generations of 10 children. And God could do it if he wanted to. But you have to be faithful. You have to be faithful for him to accomplish his purposes. And you better do a better job raising your children than I did raising you. You have to always inspire that you have to keep going further. You have to do better. You were raised, I tell my kids all the time, you were raised different than I was raised. So you've been given more. I wasn't homeschooled. I was in the system of you know, wasting my life or whatever. So to much is given, much is expected. But that's what we got to do and inspire them. I mean, do you know what 10 generations of 10 is? If God was just to bless one family with that, and he could if he wanted to, we can't do that on our own. It's 1 billion people in that 10th generation. Just from one family. One family, 400 years, if he blessed each family with 10 children and ten, of each generation, it'd be one billion, not million, in that 10th generation. That's how God could change the world with one family if he wanted to. He can, he can do this stuff. I'm saying we got to focus on what he's given us to do and rebuild the wall right where we are and maybe the evil as they kill themselves off through all the wicked, vile things that are going on and their fear over environmental stuff so they don't have any children. Well, great. That means God just keep blessing us and help us to be faithful. Maybe we'll take back the land through that alone. Okay. Now, so, um, so the people said there in verse 18, they strengthened their hands for this work, but the next word is, but... When Sanballat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and the Jeshem, and Arabia heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing ye do? Will ye rebel against the king? You're standing up for what's right. You'll be mocked, but you'll also, they'll start spreading rumors. Oh, you're trying to rebel against the king. You're trying to, oh, you, lies will start flying, everything. Just expect it. It's there. Then answered I them, Nehemiah said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. Therefore, we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, no right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. Get out of here. You are not welcome here. We're doing things God's way here. And if you're not We don't even want you around. And that's a key too. (laughs) So again, as we go through this, he had a clear thing there of these walls, this mission, whatever. But he always knew when he started to be attacked or whatever, he relied on God. No, God's going to be with us. Or you go back to pray, God, help us. And that's just a key lesson for us too. Um, We, when we're not not totally sure of the situation and what we're supposed to be doing, there's a lot of key things here, obviously, but maybe specifics on things. We need to get down on our knees and ask God, what would you have me to do? I mean, you all in your own mind, ask yourself the question, when is the last time you were on your knees and you prayed, God, what would you have me to do? I'm willing to do whatever you ask me, but really, what did you put me on this earth to do? Is there something specific you designed me inside my mother's womb to do? Have I done exactly what you wanted me to do? If I haven't, would you prick my conscience where I go, oh, I need to do this or that? Um, we need to be attentive <laughs> to our commander in chief or we start wandering around like we're lost and we don't accomplish 
in the amount of time he's given us the things we were supposed to do. We only have so much time. And he gave us just enough time to fulfill what his job for us was. So the more time we waste on just doing whatever, the less time we have to go, oh, I I don't have enough time left to do what he's asked me to do. Um, But that's the key things. Then I love uh, how there in chapter 3, it lists out all the families that were involved and what they did. And it's neat when in verse 12, one guy just had daughters. He's out there working with his daughters and stuff. But God mentions all of these people by name. I mean, the Bible is a relatively short book for our understanding of all world history and origins, the, the eternity past, eternity future, everything. And he took the time to list these people that were faithful. I'm like, that's pretty, it shows that was important to God. He wanted us to know them. Here's the people that did this, and here's the their families and where they built and what they did. And I just, I think, wow, that's, that shows that was very important. So then as you get into chapter four, and I'm just hitting bullet points of things, they're starting to succeed at doing this. Um, and when that happens too, when you're actually starting to take ground, like Roe v. Wade being overturned, we saw the mask come off a few weeks ago. I mean, where we realize now, we knew all along it is a satanic movement, but now we go, oh, it really is. I saw one video of women chanting, we can kill our babies, thousands of them in this, we can kill our ba-. I'm like, so you did know what you were doing. You did know. It wasn't like, well, it's just a mass of cells. It's not, it's not a baby yet. Or, and as we see in California, they're trying to pass a law now that says you can abort up to 60 days old, so two months after birth. So, oh, they've got a defect where just, just kill them. We, we don't have time for them. It's so evil. But because it's so evil, when we are standing for righteousness, we are going to be attacked. But that should encourage us all the more in that. And it says there in verse 1, but it came to pass that when Sam Ballot heard that we built the wall, he was wroth. They will be fuming mad. Like Roe v. Wade was overturned. You saw them just spewing their venom. Even though most of the states, those radicals live in, they can still do it there. Even They don't like the idea that they're just not going to be happening everywhere. We love abortion. It's the sacrament of their secular humanism, which is their religion. Um, and so... Um, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he, he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Are they going to finish this in one day? Will they receive, revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish which are burned? Just mocking and mocking. Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break it down their, down their stone wall. <laughs> Just total mocking. Trying to discourage you. They'll try to discourage you. Oh, what are you doing? It's nothing. You've got some little church here doing something. We've got all the kids seven hours a day. We, and they'll try to discourage and discourage um, in that. And, of course, the wall they're building back is not what you're picturing in our yards today or something. This is, these are massive walls. You could ride a chariot on the top of them. They're massive walls that are there. So it's a big project. But they're, oh, a fox will walk on that and it'll tumble down. But when that discouragement starts coming, when they keep attacking the enemy, what does Nehemiah do? Hear, oh my God, for we are despised and turn their reproach upon their own head. <laughs> he said, God, I see what they're doing. They're trying to discourage my people that I'm trying to motivate. Would you have it turn upon their head? I pray that all the time. Um, the book of Proverbs and Psalms, <laughs> that God wipe out the wicked. Um, and so, but they kept going. They didn't give up. Verse 6, so, we, so built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. They were tough families, 
and they were ready to work. And down on verse 8, it said, And conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem. So the wicked then is realized, okay, we got to do more than just verbally attack them. We've got to go physically assault them. And we, we need to, to boycott them. And we need to have lawsuits against them. We need to now actively, not just with words, with actions, attack them. Um, and so they aspired together to do that. Nevertheless... We made our prayer unto our God. We kept praying and set a watch against them day and night. Okay, they're going to attack. We're going to be ready. <laughs> and we're going to have, we'll have our lawyers ready for your little lawsuit. We're going to be ready to go. And we're going to have our Second Amendment on our waist if we feel physically threatened. We are going to defend ourselves because God commands that we do that, especially fathers, their wives, and their children. And so we're not putting up with this. Um, and it just, uh, I just love, they always just kept praying and they kept just, just do it, keeping in the work. They didn't let any of this distraction stop them from the work. And then in verse 14, it says, and I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people. So Nehemiah is a great leader. He's just a great leader. He realized, okay, I got to get even the noble. I need to get people on our side. He told them, he goes, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters and your wives and your houses. That's what I tell you. Fight for what is right. Protect your children from the garbage of this world. You have to fight for them. If you are not actively fighting, protecting, guarding hearts, all that stuff, you lose them. I, I, I get to go all over the country every year. I'm just telling you, if you're not actively defending and fighting for and preparing, you'll lose them. <laughs> it just, it's just the way it goes. There's a great speech uh, Douglas MacArthur gave in World War II, and you could probably find it. It's when he was came back to the Philippines. He had left there. He loved the Philippine people but he had to get pulled out of there and he came back and he gave this speech. Uh, you can get the transcript from it, read it, and you'll, you'll have tears going down your cheeks how he was inspiring them because we need your help. We're here to, to free you, but we need every woman, every man, every child to come out from the houses and attack them. I mean, just it's just an incredible speech he gave them to motivate them as a great leader. You've got to help us fight. We're, we're going to free you, but we need your help. Um, and that's what Nehemiah is doing. He's just a great leader. And, and we go down a little bit, and then there's more strategy involved. It shows there's different roles. And it came to pass from that time forth that half of my servants wrought in the work, and the other half of them held both spears and shields and the bows and the harbingers, and the rulers were behind all the houses of Judah. So, so strategic. It's just for us today. We, we have different roles. Everybody's not doing the same thing. We need uh, some people to push forward, to take more ground in areas, and other people just to defend the rights we have, like to homeschool. Where, okay, we're going to fight to defend what we have, but we need people taking ground, too, in other areas. So we're going to divide up here and have different roles in doing that. Uh, in verse 17, it says, They which build it on the wall, everyone with one of his hands wrought in the work, and with the other hand held a weapon. So then even... The ones that are working realize, okay, we need to be ready to, to defend too because they're, they're starting to send enough forces against us. Um, and that, again, that's our, the, the picture of that today, how it's different in America. Right now we're not physically defending with weapons. It may come to that at some point. But right now we're defending against the lies of the culture, the things that are trying to convince your kids, oh, come out and play. We're going to have fun. Just Just come out. Everybody's doing it. All these little, the poison, men protecting your wives from hearing all the poison. I think one of the key things that's changed over the last 20 years is the culture now is primarily after the women to pull them. I, I was talking to a few pastors I know, and they said back from the like 70s to 2000 or so, he goes, nine out of 10 times if a family was falling apart in our church, it was the man leaving the wife for some floozy or whatever. 
And he goes, since 2000, nine out of 10 times, it's the wife leaving the husband. And he goes, it's a complete, they are after the women. Just like Satan was after who? Eve. Because <laughs> he knew the way they're designed, they're, much, they're easier to persuade with lies because that's the way God made them. That's why we love women, because they believe you. Your mom believes you, and, you, and she loves you. And, but that's why, we, that's the sweetness of a woman. It's not a weakness. How do we know it's not a weakness? Because Eve was that way, and she was perfect. It's, not, it, it's the way God designed women, just a sweet, kind, loving spirit, of, which makes a great wife. So when the husband says, this is what we're doing, she's like, sounds great. I'm in. She doesn't, like, argue with him like a guy. Well, why? What are we doing? Whatever. She's like, okay. If he, she can tell you're leading and you're going somewhere, I'm, I'm there with you. Um, but, again, Eve was like that, and she was without sin. Um, and so that's the way God has designed women. So, again, they, they're, they're mocked. They're succeeding. Uh, So they, yeah, I'm sorry, I had to find the verse I was on again. So they were working, but also having a weapon ready to fight. Uh, and it goes on there in verse 20 of chapter 4. We need to remember this. Our God, at the end of it, it says, our God shall fight for us. Um, when the odds are against you, just just remember that. And in verse 21, it says, so we labored in the work, and half of them held the spears from the rising of the morning till the stars appeared. And down 23, it says, So neither I, nor my brother, nor my servants, nor the men on guard which followed me, some of us, none of us put off our clothes, saving everyone put them off for washing. So what they, they're sleeping, ready to go. They rush, no, no, we, we, we have to be ready. So even when it's our turn to take us, we're going to stay fully dressed because we're ready for the battle. The only time they're taking off their clothes, when they got to wash them, to put them back on. And so, I mean, it's, it's just constant vigilance. It's just because you realize what? I think in Ephesians 6, God told us it's a spiritual battle. Do you think Satan takes the night off or whatever? Of course not. They, they never rest. He knows his time is short. He is, he's amping it up, as we can see, worldwide. And so we can't either. So we can't let down. Um, we need to always be ready to go. And we have to have a vision to have a purposeful family. You will never accidentally raise a great family. <laughs> It'll never happen. And, and your efforts alone won't do it either. You have to pray, God, help me. God, you just be merciful to show the world how powerful you are by my family. I'm doing my best, but I make a thousand mistakes. But I just, you know our heart is to follow you. And it, just please honor that and help us to continue to get better and better at what we're doing. Never to be satisfied, well, it's good enough. No, no. When I see an error, when I see, ah, oh, that's not good. We're not doing that like we used to. We need to step that up again. Or whatever it is, we need to be constantly just vigilant to do that. And a lot of you probably know the end of the story. But again, I encourage you to read the whole thing. But it, it's so neat to me. Um, with that great leadership, God's blessing, a clear vision for the people, and the constant uh, encouragement by the leader. No, no, no. God, help us. We can do this. People, don't, don't pick up your weapons, but keep going. You're doing it. You're doing it. The, the walls of Jerusalem that had been down for over 100 years were rebuilt in 52 days. That's what God can do. There's always hope. Don't you think, oh, America, what? it's not true. If God's people start rebuilding, God blesses that. He just does. And so don't give up. Don't be discouraged. But start rebuilding the walls right where God has placed you. You have to. And you young people, if you don't know what God wants you to do with your life yet, you need to ask him. Don't have all your own plans and, oh, I'm going to do this and then this and this. and You'll waste your life. If you're like, what do you want me to do? And your heart is submissive where you really want to do, what'd you put me on this earth to do? And you'll find out if you do that, oh my goodness, his plans are a thousand times better than mine. But if you do it, 
You might be the next Nehemiah for this generation that leads and people follow and you have a vision and God is using you to make a huge difference in the world today because it needs it. It is desperate for, for, for role models and for heroes and for people that really are doing things God's way for the right reasons. But I appreciate you. I appreciate what you're doing at this church here very much. And I just, I, I just want to tell you, go for the gold for Jesus. You will never regret it. And he, as you get a strategy in this church, and I know you're already doing a lot of things, but a specific strategy that you're not, where you're not only acting, you're praying, God, you bless me when I go before the king. <laughs> you bless me with my strategy. You bless what do you want this church to do right here. And then you listen, and then you act. But always keeping that prayer there. Never being discouraged because, you know, God has a plan, but also never thinking the success you're having is of your own doing. But thank you so much.